Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Hi there. Welcome to this special PCOS bonus episode of the Love Food Podcast. I'm Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And this is the third training that I've prepared for you on how to move away from diets and get better care with your PCOS. If this is the first of the video series or podcast episodes that you've listened to, go back. There's two more. I have one on the worst diets for PCOS where I name the big guns like keto and Weight Watchers and why they are actually harmful long-term for PCOS. And I also have my top five tips for promoting health without dieting for those of you affected by PCOS. And today's episode is exploring ways to advocate for better care. I discussed briefly at the end of the last training about how I really don't think you should have to advocate for yourself as you navigate the ways to get through the medical system, the healthcare system, and even the mental health care system while experiencing PCOS. But here's the thing. There is so much like really, really crappy diet culture out there, and also people who judge people of size. Have you experienced that? I have a feeling you have, and if you haven't, holy shit, I think you are the only person because so many people talk about how when they are experiencing PCOS and living in a larger body, that they go to the doctor for something random like, oh, I have strep throat or the flu, and they're told, you know what? you should probably lose some weight. When it's like, newsflash, I have strep throat, don't skinny people get that too? Yes, they do. And so today I have to just like reconcile that you should not have to advocate for yourself. And I also wanna arm you with some tools for the times where you want to, or you have to, or you would just wanna experiment with it. And so I have some tips I've gathered from other people who are walking alongside you in a similar experience and um, some things I've just kind of picked up along the way that other people have done. So I'm really excited to share them with you. And this episode of the Love Food Podcast is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. So this course is actually 
this is kind of a secret, but not really because I'm talking about it on this podcast, but it's launching um, tomorrow. What that means, what does launch means? Well, it just basically means that I'm opening up the doors for an enrollment for the next week and that starts tomorrow. And how can you get access to all the details? Well, I'm gonna share a little bit with you here now, but you can get more of the details at pcosandfoodpeace.com. So the course is 12 modules that are self-paced. So I recorded everything for you so you can go at your own pace. Some people have gone through it like Netflix binge-worthy kind of (laughs) over a weekend and um, got amazing... they got like an amazing amount of nourishment from it in that it helped them to know what to do. And other people have just been easing into it as they can. Because for so many people I talked to, they thought dieting was the only way to treat their PCOS. And so really finding another way, it can take some time to really let that sink in. And that's okay. That's the really cool thing about this course. I designed it for you in mind in that you could download it and just do it when it works for you. Because, hey, we're all individuals. And I know for me, I'm a really visual learner. So I like when I actually see people um, like this right now, if you're watching this video. And I also um, appreciate not everyone's like that. And they rather just listen to something. And so I have audio, I have visual, and I also have the slides and lots of handouts that go with the course. So however it just works for you and your learning style and what's available to you, I um, allowed all of that. And we also have a very special, small, intentionally small private Facebook group just for those folks who buy the course to um, allow extra support and access to me along the way. So if you want to dive into more details or you're ready to enroll, I'm really excited to be able to connect with you there. You can get to it at pcosandfoodpeace.com. All right, enough of that. Let's go ahead and get to this third training advocating and getting better support for your care while you experience PCOS. All right, I'm back behind the slides and let's dive in. I don't wanna waste any time and get to our third video training. I'm really excited to be speaking to you all about this. We are going to be talking about ways to get support with PCOS. And I know that getting more support is gonna be something that is gonna be a key way for you to improve health and happiness as you experience this really crappy condition. So something that I learned recently from a grad student of mine, I have been working this past summer with this really awesome, fabulous grad student. Her name is Kimberly Singh, and she's a dietitian in training and wanting to learn more about the non-diet approach that I use, and she also happens to be affected by PCOS. And I asked her one day, we were having a heart-to-heart, and I said, what do women with PCOS really need? Like, how can I help? And she said, well, Julie, have you ever Googled PCOS and and purposely not put anything after that, just kind of dot, dot, dot. And she said, do it, do it right now. And I was like, well, I have a feeling it'll say either diabetes or weight or carbs or something like that. And she said, no, the first thing that always pops up when you Google PCOS and is the word support because support with PCOS is so tough to find. And she was right. And 
and made me really think about why is there not enough for support for PCOS? And something that I know be true is that PCOS is a women's disease. And, you know, we live in this world where researchers are just not researching women conditions as often as ones that affect both men and women or ones that just affect men. And it also includes things about ovaries and periods, and people just don't like to talk about it. It's not something that a lot of people want to wear um, a pin for. And, you know, the other side of it is weight is a part of PCOS. And something that I know to be true is that weight does not cause the condition. I don't care what anybody has told you, your weight has never, ever caused your PCOS. But the lack of weight loss, I think, is often caused for the lack of support. I think the lack of weight loss often is blamed for health complaints or even it's just suggested these health complaints in your head. And I think weight is a part of that. I also know that increasing your support greatly increases your chances of long-term health. And what do I mean by that? This is not just something fluffy and kumbaya. I actually think increasing your support increases your access to good quality care and a better understanding of your body. There's also research, like serious, legit, many times over research, that has documented that increasing your support with PCOS will help lower your blood pressure, lower your cholesterol, your triglycerides, and even help with insulin sensitivity. Yes. So this is why I want to spend a whole training on it, because I think it is so very, very, very important. So this training is going to include concrete ways to advocate for better healthcare with PCOS, also to consider weight stigma's role in harming your health. Are you not really sure what weight stigma is? That's okay, we're gonna go through it in a second. And it doesn't matter if you're a person of size or not. Weight stigma is something that is affecting PCOS, the research behind it and the care you get, and it doesn't matter if you're a person of size or not. So I'm gonna be sure you lead this training with questions to ask your, ask your doctor, your dietitian, and any other healthcare provider. There's ways you can ask questions to kind of get through the muck that weight stigma provides. All right, I need to share a secret with you. Just a little secret that not many people know. You may know me as the lady gabbing behind the slides right now or host of my radio show, The Love Food Podcast. Yet something you don't know about me is that I, yes, I, Julie, have had a very, very tough time confronting doctors and other people of authority. No way. You know, I've been very meek and timid my whole life, throw an anxiety disorder on top of it, and holy moly, there was no way I was going to ever confront a doctor. And there was a time, though, that I really started to understand weight stigma, the damage it was doing, fat bias and the poor research with PCOS. And once I really understood it, I couldn't unsee it. I just couldn't. And it became, honestly, like a moral issue for me. So I had to get a clue. I had to face my own demons, my own fears, and I really needed to step up. And so what has happened by doing this is that I've cultivated some ways for you to get better care. And so what we're going to do now is go over some tools for better care and support. I can't wait to share these with you. All right, let's get started. So first and foremost, 
I want to help you gain clarity on the role of weight stigma in PCOS. And you may be wondering, actually, what is weight stigma? And Julie, why are you spending so much time in it? It is really important. And according to researchers at Yale, who are a big um, hub of researchers that are looking into the effects of weight stigma, according to those researchers, I'm going to read their definition of weight stigma. It refers to negative attitudes towards a person because she is larger than considered appropriate, such as a stereotype that people of size are lazy or lacking willpower. And they say that this type of stigma comes about in different ways and leads to prejudice and discrimination. They also say that stigma and bias are well-documented, resulting in lower quality of care. So something I know, and I have a feeling you know this too, PCOS, one of the big symptoms or the side effects of experiencing it is weight gain. And so if we acknowledge that weight stigma is real and that it affects your quality of care, I believe women with PCOS are punished for the size of their body. What do I mean? Well, chronic stress from living in poverty or experiencing oppression of any kind, such as like for a race or ethnicity or religion, that's a stigma that sends the body in a constant flight or fight response. And, and to understand this, we basically need to be aware of that, that flight or fright, you know that experience when you're startled or you're almost in a car accident and your body reacts just so suddenly. It's this hyperhormonal experience that your body thinks you're being chased by a lion. And I hope you caught something really important that I just said, hormonal. If there's anything that we know about PCOS is that hormones are basically the end-all, be-all of it. If there's a hormone that's affecting a part of your body, women with PCOS are gonna experience something wonky with it. And so this constant flight or fright response that happens to someone because of living with constant oppression, stigma, it's been well-documented that it causes this chronic flight or fright response. And extensive research has been able to document now over and over again that access to this type of chronic stress raises, wait for this, you're going to die when you hear this, it raises cholesterol, blood pressure, triglycerides, inflammation, and impairs insulin sensitivity. So those are all things that women with PCOS that they constantly are asking me to help them with as their dietitian. And so I know that weight stigma, experiencing this day in and day out, especially by the providers who are supposed to help you, weight stigma is the real enemy for PCOS. The real enemy is not high weight, it's weight stigma. So I really want you to take into consideration how it's really a big part of this. And I also already am hearing, I'm kind of bending my ear a little bit, I can hear the naysayers. And what I mean by that is so many people will say, well, Julie, I need to feel a little ashamed of my eating habits or my weight. It's gonna help me eat right. And if I didn't feel ashamed of it, well, then I wouldn't take responsibility for it. And I have to say, Many years ago, I agreed with this, and I really feel ashamed of it now because I used to push that shame onto people. And what I have learned in the shame research that's out there is that shame and responsibility are diametrically opposed. So the more shame you feel, the less responsible you're going to experience with it too. So telling a woman she's too fat 
is not stress reducing, (laughs) especially when you're at the doctor for strep throat. Now, how many times has that happened to you? You have strep throat or the flu or a cold sore or something random, and your doctor goes on this long spiel on that you just need to lose weight. So adults who face weight stigma report, in the end, consuming more food, avoiding exercise, and postponing medical care. And I appreciate why. And the researchers found, too, that people avoid medical care when they're experiencing weight stigma because they just don't want to experience that lion chasing them. They want to avoid that shame and they want to avoid that flight or fright response. I really believe that knowledge is power with PCOS. I really do. But I feel like in the end that healthcare providers, we have been punishing you because of your weight. I don't know if you've read the research on healthcare providers and bias based on weight, but it's really, really interesting. And it shows that without a doubt, most people are not addressing their bias and that they are biased against people than larger bodies. So now what I want you to do after you can kind of let this sink in is I want to arm you with tips that are going to help you get better care and get access to the same information that people who experience diseases that are not associated with weight have access to more easily. And so let's get to it. All right, I want you to advocate for yourself. And so what I have are some prompts. These are some prompts that I have picked up along the way working with many people in this position. And I'm so like thrilled that they've been able to teach me over the years what's helped them. So I'm gonna pass it on on to you. It's kind of a pay it forward. So one thing that you can do off the bat when you go to the doctor is you don't have to be weighed. I don't know if you know this, but you don't. You don't have to be weighed. And so every time I've gone to the doctor, and I have a feeling that you've experienced this too, they always do these first three things. Well, besides waiting in the waiting room forever, you get called back to the second waiting room, and, um, and then they do three measures on you. They check your weight, they check your temperature, and your blood pressure. And it's like, boom, 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 they get them all done. And for a while, I thought they did that just because they needed that data. Well, they didn't need it what I thought they needed it for. What they actually need it for is to be able to file insurance and Medicaid and Medicare. So in order to be able to be reimbursed for the visit, the healthcare provider needs to have three measures. So what I found is that you can actually say, no, I don't want to be weighed, and they can get another measure. But I learned something recently from Glennis Oyston. She's a dietitian that's really cool. And she said that you can actually even just tell them that you refuse to get weighed and they can write that down and that still counts as one of their measures. So then they don't have to hunt for a third measure for you. So for some people, just not getting weighed helps them just to feel a little bit more at peace going into the doctor. So I would encourage you to experiment with that and let me know how it goes. Another one you can do, number two, is you can let providers know if you're in eating disorder recovery. So some of you listening may have experienced an eating disorder at some point in your lifetime. And I can make that guess because women with PCOS are five times more likely to experience an eating disorder. So if you ever have experienced binge eating disorder, anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, or at any point someone said, huh, you have an eating disorder, Something that you can do, and also something you need to keep in mind, is that having weight loss talk is something that can trigger a relapse. And we know there's a lot of genetics and biology behind eating disorder relapse. And talking about dieting and then going on a diet 
is enough for anybody in recovery to relapse. Yes, isn't that crazy? It's amazing, but research has been able to find that information now. And one of the ways you can protect recovery is never go on a diet again. And so let your provider know you're in eating disorder recovery. So please hold the weight loss talk because it can literally kill you. So one thing we know, our eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of all mental illness. Isn't that surprising? But it's true. So healthcare providers will respect your decision. Not everyone understands that pursuing weight loss is the number one way a person relapses in an eating disorder scenario, no matter what they weigh, by the way. So if you ever experience eating disorder, ever consider saying, I have battled a lifelong, serious, life-threatening eating disorder. Pursuing weight loss always makes me relapse and gain more weight. I find that sentence is so powerful because if you say it's gonna make you relapse and gain more weight, it kind of fills both of the necessary ingredients to make a, a healthcare provider back off. So again, pursuing weight loss always makes me relapse and gain more weight. I would love for you to suggest other things besides weight loss to treat my PCOS. Oh, that one works for so many people. But yet, there may be someone listening who's never experienced an eating disorder, or maybe you don't wanna reveal it. I can totally appreciate that. Another one you can tell them is that diets just don't work for me. So what else do you have? I got this number three from this really awesome blogger and fat activist. Her name is Reagan Chastain. Her blog is Dances with Fat. She is this amazing dancer and triathlete. She's just has so much information that I've gleaned over the years, but this is one that she taught me. So one thing I've um, found when people do this is when they're at diet rock bottom and diet their whole life, seriously, since preschool, I know so many of you have done that. If you go to the doctor and they're suggesting yet again, another diet, what if you just said, I've been prescribed diets my whole life and they have never made me healthier, thinner, or happier. My research says this is typical. What else can you recommend? Oh, I love that one. I'm going to say it again. I have been prescribed diets my whole life, and they have never made me healthier, thinner, or happier. My research says this is typical. What else can you recommend? Such a good one. Another one you can do, and I will say this for anyone, even people without PCOS, but what do you recommend to your lean clients with PCOS? Honestly, there are no diseases or conditions out there that only people of size have. Every condition, people in smaller bodies get to. So one thing you can ask is, well, what do you tell your, your clients or your patients who are in smaller bodies? And really, it's a great, efficient one. Sometimes it can be shocking because, honestly, I don't think a lot of doctors and healthcare providers are aware of their own bias, but it really helps sort through some of the crap that you get all the time and gets to some other meaty ways to treat the PCOS. So this is a really good one. So again, asking, what do you recommend to your lean clients with PCOS? It's so nice. And finally, you'll get some responses that's not just lose weight. So the last one, and this is another one I got from Reagan Chastain on her blog, Dances with Fat. And this is for those of you who really love research is to ask for it. And I'm a part of the fat activist community. And one thing that we often will say is show me the data. You know, show me the data on something that actually is gonna help me and work long-term. And so what Reagan says is next time you're at the doctor and they're pathologizing you for your size, experiment with this. 
I'm really into researching my healthcare. Can you show me the study where, where XYZ diet worked on people my size to both lower weight long-term and have a health benefit? Oh, it's so good. So here it is again. I am really into researching my healthcare. Can you show me the study where XYZ diet worked on people my size to both lower weight long-term and have a health benefit? And again, if you don't want to go through the, all of that long like sentence, you can also just say, hey, show me the data of what you're asking here. Can you actually show me the research where that actually works? Those are some prompts that have helped hundreds of women to get access to better care. As I'm saying these things, I just have to say it out loud because I think it's pretty obvious, but it's not always, especially when you're talking behind some slides, but I think it's really crummy that you have to advocate for yourself. I really do. And just know people like me and other fat activists are working really hard to help you have better access to care with PCOS. Because again, I think since weight is a part of PCOS, it's really keeping you from information and healthcare that you need. And I really don't think people who are the ones that are being oppressed should be the ones to have to do all the work to get uh, to work through the oppression. Um, and for right now, it's just not there yet. So just know there are people, not enough, we need to get some more people involved, but there are people who are working to advocate with you. And if you do have the strength, if you do have the energy to advocate for yourself and experiment with these prompts, I would love to know what happens. Shoot me an email and let me know. My email is julie at juliedillonrd.com. I'd love to hear what comes from these. All right, so let's go to tip number three. So what I want you to focus on for this third one is ways for you to cultivate support. I can appreciate from working with so many of you with PCOS now for almost, gosh, it's been almost 20 years, is that it's really, really hard to find people who have the condition, even though it's so common. You know, there's some people that say that one in 10 women have PCOS. Of course, so many don't even know they have it, but so many people have it, but yet no one really seems to talk about it. And again, I think it's because it's about the nether region, right? It's about ovaries and periods and miscarriages, all these things that people don't want to talk about, or they're just not used to talking about and feeling uncomfortable about. So what I encourage you to do is to share these videos or any of your favorite like Facebook or Instagram accounts with people with PCOS who are speaking out, especially those who are addressing the weight stigma part of it, share them with your partner or your family, maybe even your therapist, a trusted friend, and let them know that these are things that you found helpful and you think it would be helpful for them to understand it too. I think if you can get a couple people on board to who actually understand the condition, it's something that I think will lead to better blood pressure, better cholesterol panels, and better insulin sensitivity. I also want to encourage you to reach out and join our PCOS and Food Peace Support Group on Facebook. It's something that just started this summer, and it's already become this really supportive, compassionate community of women who only women with PCOS in there, except for me. I'm the only one that doesn't have it. And it's a place where you can really get compassion and support. And we are working really hard to make sure that the community is one that's promoting positive body image and non-diet type of um, access to care. So it's a place where you can really experiment with moving away from diets and promoting health long-term instead of those crappy quick fixes that they keep pushing on you. 
And I also, I love finding more people on Instagram and Facebook, like I told you. Like one is Ashley Levinson. I love her account. She's such an amazing advocate. She's someone that also experiences PCOS. So sharing her information um, on Facebook, just even pushing share all to you so it goes to your whole feed is a really great way for people just to understand, especially um, during times like September and PCOS Awareness Month. I also know a bunch of people around the globe who have started meetup groups or something similar with women with PCOS. And I can appreciate how they're harder because they're in person. And again, it's that whole period and ovary talk that so many people find uncomfortable. And there's so much shame in this condition. And I think one of the reasons, like we said earlier, is because of weight. And so if you could do something like that, I think that's something that's super powerful because there's nothing like meeting someone in person who totally understands your pain. I think it's something that is worth every um, second and every ounce of energy to get together. Lastly, something I have loved is the PCOS Symposium, or rather the PCOS Challenge Symposium. They're all over the globe and they're throughout the year. It's a great time to get together and it's also a great time to grab a friend or a partner or family member to bring with you so they can also find out what they can do to help support your experience and support your long-term health. Hey there, thank you so much for listening to this special bonus episode of the Love Food Podcast. I hope this episode and the other two were helpful as you're trying to figure out the next best steps for you. If you are interested in finding out more on trainings just like this, if you are interested in the PCOS and Food Peace course, I would love to see you on the waitlist and be able to help you to figure out if the course that I offer is a good fit for you. Go to PCOSandFoodPeace.com. There tomorrow, uh, January 25th, all the details for the course will be there. If you still have questions, I would love to help because, you know, a course like this is something that is for very specific people and I want to make sure it's the right fit for you and the right time for you. You can also reach out by emailing me at julie at juliedillonrd.com. All right, enough of that. I look forward to maybe seeing you on the wait list and also getting a chance to connect with you on another Love Food Podcast episode. That's all for now. Take care. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.